Thank you for listening to this week's message from Go Church. We hope it encourages you today. For more information about Go Church, check us out online at letsgo.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. Let me ask you guys a question this morning. How many of you have ever been really sore from a workout? Maybe you're like, not this year, (laughs) but you have in the past. You know this feeling? It's totally, if you've worked out before, if you've exercised before, it's really totally a mistake you shouldn't make, right? Like, you know better. You just know. But I'm telling you, I made the mistake, which I consider to be like a rookie mistake. I just thought, you know what? First of the year, I'm going to jump right back in, right where I left off. Because you never want to go backwards, right? You just pick up right where you left off. So I jumped onto the Peloton and just did my normal workout hard. Then I went directly to the treadmill and did the treadmill workout. And then I went directly to, which was not normal for me. I'm like, I'm going to go ahead and finish this workout strong. I go to the tower of power, the power tower, do as many pull-ups and push-ups as I could, which I was kind of depressed about my result. I finished all of that up and then I could not move. Like the next day I woke up, have you ever felt that feeling? It was like, oh my gosh, I am so sore. I didn't realize I had these muscles right here. Muscles you didn't even know you had are sore. It's like a total rookie mistake. I want to encourage you, if 21 days of prayer and fasting has felt a little bit like that, you are in normal, good company, okay? We are doing 21 days of prayer and fasting, and maybe for some of us, it's like we're doing not much, not much, not much. Hardcore spiritual workout, I am sore. Hardcore spiritual workout, I've never done this before. Maybe you've started 21 days of prayer and fasting with us last Sunday, and you started, and then you stopped. Or you started, and then you stopped, and then you started, and then you stopped. (laughs) And you started, and you stopped, and today is Sunday, seven days. I want to encourage you today with one word, okay? I have one word for all of us regarding 21 days of fasting, grace. Okay, grace. Turn to somebody and just say grace. Okay, grace. Grace is giving somebody something they don't deserve. Sometimes we will give everybody else grace, but we won't give it to ourselves. I want to encourage you, if God is willing to give you grace, have grace with yourself. And go ahead and reach underneath your chair. Grab this. This is yours to take today. If you have one with you that you picked up last Sunday, feel free to use it today. If you don't have it, grab one. If you want to take one for somebody else, go ahead and take one for somebody else. It's totally fine. If you want an extra one of these at the end, we will more and be happy to give you one. 21 days of fasting. Sometimes it feels like this. You know, sometimes it feels like this is hard. Sometimes the best things in life are hard. Oftentimes, the very best things in life come at a cost. I like to think about 21 days of prayer and fasting like training, a Peloton thing, a treadmill thing, a triathlon thing. Maybe you're into CrossFit, whatever it is that you're into. Maybe you are in school, you do football, basketball, soccer, lacrosse, whatever it is. I want you to think about training, all right? I just went to go see my nephew do some rock climbing in Colorado Springs yesterday. He had been training and training and training. There were hundreds of people packed into this event, and you could just tell some of these kids 
totally impressive. Training, training, training. You don't go from nothing to some of these courses that these guys were climbing. I mean, it was just absolutely impressive and amazing. Grace, so no matter if it's your first time ever to pray, I am so proud of you. If it's your kind of second, third, fourth, fifth attempt at maybe trying something like this, so proud of you. Maybe you're a spiritual veteran. You know, you've done this kind of thing before. You have fasted something before. You kind of know what it feels like. I'm proud of you. Here's the deal. No matter where you're at, I am challenging you one more step and one more rep with your spiritual development and your spiritual formation. You see, with training, we get it, like the importance of it, right, in so many other areas of our life. If you're going to... Be an athlete, you gotta train. If you're gonna be a professional rock climber, you better train or you won't be one for long. We want our surgeons to have gone through training, correct? You don't want too many like DIY, I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night, I'm good. No, we want you to have training, plenty of training. If you're gonna be a lawyer, training. Gonna be an engineer, training. Geologist, training. Lawyer, training. Teacher, training. You need training for so many of these things until parenthood. That's like no training needed. <laughs> you just have one. Sorry, all the first kids in the house. It's like we learned on you, the first children. That's why they're so tough, so responsible. Training, training, training. I want us to think about 21 days of prayer and fasting like training. Why is it that we get how important training is, how important education is, how important it is with our career and our life. But sometimes when it comes to our spiritual life, we don't make the connection. We just expect growth to happen. Or we look to other people in our life, maybe a friend or a family member or a pastor or a small group leader to make you grow. Like if you're not growing, it's somebody else's fault somebody else's responsibility, but we would never apply that logic to anywhere else in our life. We would never say, well, this school just doesn't feed me anymore. I'm leaving. Maybe it's not the school's fault. Maybe you need to pick up a fork and a knife and a spoon and feed yourself. Some of the things we need to consider with 21 days of prayer and fasting. It leads us to the one big thing. I want you to write this down. We're gonna talk about it, think about it, get into it all day today. Write it down. The way I train shows up in the game. Yes, it is NFL playoff season, and yes, it is on my mind if you cannot tell. Training, game. Maybe you're like, Pastor Nick, I don't even like sports. I'm already kind of checking out. Why are we talking about sports? Why are we talking about training? Why are we talking about endurance? Why are we using this metaphor? Because the Bible does. One of the reasons I love the Bible. Let's look at this. The Apostle Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He writes, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. I love that, run to win. Don't just run to place. Don't just run to get some kind of participation finisher, trophy, run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training, training. 
They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. And then watch this. I discipline my body. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should do. The Apostle Paul is saying, I discipline myself. I train. I work hard. I beat my body into submission for it to do what it needs to do to help bring me one step closer to Jesus. And training, we get this, training for career, training in education, training Randy's and kids, these things are not easy. I think we do ourselves a disservice if we assume all things in my spiritual life should just be strawberries and cream. Like if you sign up to follow Jesus because you think serving and following Jesus is just going to make your life easier, you don't know Jesus very well. He said, if you're going to follow me, it's not a question of if you will be persecuted, you will. What will you do when that happens? Training is the expectation. So think about getting that equivalent into your spirit today. Those feelings that you have felt in your body before. That last rep that you didn't think you could do. That last mile that you thought, I was locked up, I didn't think I was going to be able to finish, I dug deep, I finished. That class that you didn't want to go to, but then you decided to go ahead and go anyway, and then it was amazing. That one Peloton class that you tried before and quit because the instructor was crazy, you decided to go back and try it again two weeks later, and you finished it. I want you to think about those feelings and say, maybe, just maybe, I should feel some of that in my spirit. This idea of stretching and recovering and stretching and recovering, breaking my spiritual muscle down and then God building it back and you build endurance and you build toughness. I want us as a church to continually to grow in being soft and being tough at the same time. Soft-hearted, thick skin. We will help We will serve, we will love the unlovable, we will love people when they least expect it, least deserve it, but it is almost impossible to offend a go-churcher. I mean, almost impossible just to get somebody to be upset for all the stupid reasons that happen in this world. The only way that we can achieve this is Jesus being at the center. Why do we do our training at all? to bring him glory, to know him. Last week we talked about God as our father, our Abba father, growing close to him, spiritual development. I want you to just embrace the idea today. Start thinking about this. I perform the way that I practice. It's true in sports. You perform the way that you practice. That's the expectation. Maybe we should drag and drop that over into our spiritual life. When your life starts to get hard or something starts to break down or an emergency happens, that's not the time to be like, oh, maybe I should have learned something about prayer or memorized a scripture or built some Christian community. That's not the time to start that. That's the time for it to already be a reality in your life that can pay off and helping you move through challenge. So Paul is saying, I discipline my body. I run to win. I train. 
But I want us to think about this. If we push ourselves in every area of life, like an athlete would, like if you're pushing yourself to the extreme in your career, the hours, the effort, the endless Zoom meetings, whatever it takes for you to be successful, you're just pounding it out. If we go to the extreme in career, if we go to the extreme in our finances and say, I'm going to buy this, I'm going to buy that, I'm going to buy this, I'm going to buy that, and I'm going to buy this, and I'm going to buy that. And that's not as shiny, so I'm going to need to buy this other thing so I feel good. We go to the extreme in the finances. We go to the extreme in the career. We go to the extreme with our body. You add up all the money that you invest in your body. I got this gym membership, that gym membership, this Lulu everything, on and on and on and on and on. You got Peloton marathons. You got all the stuff, right? If we invest all of this crazy energy and effort in every area of our life, but in our spiritual formation, what does it say about us? Could it be that if we are like that, part of this analogy starts to come to life? Paul is saying these athletes, they work and they train to get what? A little reward, a little crown made of branches that fades to nothing in weeks. A little recognition that fades away to nothing in weeks. When Paul was writing to this audience in Corinth, they would have been thinking about, as they're reading this letter, athletic events. And it was a big deal in their culture back then. A lot of pride, a lot of national pride. There was a set of games called the Isthmian Games. And very similar to the Olympics, where athletes would begin to train, they would do it 10 months out. And when they would start training, they would subject themselves to extreme heat, extreme cold, strict, strict, strict diet. Maybe so far you're like, I could get on board. I might need some. No alcohol. I just lost some of y'all. You're like, okay, I'm out. I was in, now I'm out. They would do extreme things. So when it came to one of the events running, so many times they would run naked. That is good motivation to be in first place. I'm telling you right now, I don't want to see any of that. <laughs> I don't want to be second. I don't want to be third. Maybe Paul is like, you want to be first. They would do whatever it would take to succeed, to win, to get victory, to be successful. What if we had that same mentality in our spiritual life? Just think about that. Where would you put yourself on a scale of one to 10? on how crazy, how extreme, how much perseverance are you willing to apply to the spiritual development in your life? Take this 21-day guide. Just pick it up right now. Hold it in your hand. I want you to think about this guide as a practical step. One more step, one more rep. Maybe you got started strong and need to revisit it. Maybe you want to pick it up today. Do it. Don't stop. Don't give up. Don't be too hard on yourself. Extend yourself some grace. Extend your spouse some grace, your kids some grace. God's got grace for you. Have grace for yourself. The way I train shows up in the game. You play the way that you practice. Yes, we're talking about practice. You play the way that you practice. This is already powerful truth. This is already like, okay, I'm convinced that 
It's not gonna happen by accident. It's going to take some significant effort. Paul uses these metaphors that are extreme, that we understand. I need to think about my spiritual life as training. I mean, these are all powerful spiritual truths. We're figuring this out. We're embracing this. We're thinking about this. So where should we start? That's kind of the challenging part sometimes. Where should you start? I want us to start in a non-traditional zone. This is one action that I want us to start training ourselves to take over the next week or two. And I want you to write this down. This is our one big action for the day. I will train my vision to understand my circumstance. I will train my vision to understand my circumstance. Let's talk about this. Let's figure it out together. If you played sports, let me see a hand. If you play sports, did you play sports growing up at all? Any kind of sport? Quite a few folks. If you played sports, I guarantee you, you did this at some point in your life. I did this all the time. When I was growing up, I would go out to the basketball court. We had a basketball court at our house. And I would set up a scenario. Game's tied. Callaway's got the ball. Top of the key. What's he going to do? Game's tied. It's always tied, right? Game's tied. Callaway at the free throw line. One shot to win the game. So I would do this by myself all the time. My mom, my mom was a great basketball player. She still has the highest score in her school. She's a great basketball player, great shot. So we would always do free throw competitions. And we would go out and set up these scenarios and put the pressure on, you know? It's like if you lose, then you've got to clean the kitchen. <laughs> Things like this. So if you play sports, you know you've done stuff like this. You know, you played baseball, you're like, bases loaded, bottom of the ninth, up to bat. What are you gonna do? Do it in baseball, do it in football. Now, for me, probably the most relevant pressure-oriented athletic thing is golf. Callaway, got a six-foot putt. The match is even. Is he going to pull it? No way. <laughs> so I'm telling you, I will practice this in my basement right now. I have a little putting mat, and I'll get it out. And there's some guys in Go Church that I've played golf with before, play with quite a bit. So I'm thinking about in the basement, I'm thinking like, match is tied up. I'm putting against a Dan Schaub. I'm putting against a Thomas Ward. Callaway's tied up with a Drew Bridwell. Is he gonna sink the putt? You know he's gonna sink the putt. So I'll just do it over and over and over. You just run these scenarios, right? If you're an athlete, you run these scenarios. I guarantee you, my nephew yesterday doing the rock climbing, he'd run the scenario a thousand times. Time is ticking down. You only got four minutes to get to the top or you're done. So he's running it, running it, running it, running it. Time's ticking out. What are you going to do? The way that you see your circumstance changes with how much you train. If you're an athlete, and you are all in it to win it, man. You are trying as best that you can try. All the training you're doing it, all the extras you're doing it, you live for those moments. Like, I want that six foot putt. I want to sink it and put a dagger in their heart. I wanna be on that free throw line because I know I'm gonna make this thing. We're gonna win this as a team. But if you're a person who kind of has skipped some practices or maybe you haven't really taken the training as serious as you should, what do you hope? You hope it's not you. 
You're like, oh man, that was not me on that free throw line. I have not been practicing my free throws the way I should. I'm gonna pass the ball. Like, quick pass. Hot potato, somebody else take it. I don't wanna, because I might fail. And sometimes all you're thinking about is failing. Sometimes this is true in our spiritual life. If we're not trained, if we're not pushing in, we are so scared of things happening in our life. Oh, I just know it's gonna be hard. I don't think I'm gonna be able to get through it. Last time this happened, I blew it. I'm gonna lose the game. It's all up to me. There's no way it's gonna happen. And you're scared. It's not because you don't have courage or guts. It's because you haven't prepared yourself for the moment. The way that you see those circumstances, your vision of those circumstances could be as extreme as I want that ball or I am passing that ball. I don't want anything to do with that pressure. I don't want to be the person that blows it. Is it so different in our spiritual life? How we see our circumstances. It affects so much about our body, soul, spirit, temperament, emotions, how we perceive things. I want us to run a scenario. Here's the scenario. You're friends with the Apostle Paul and you get thrown into jail for your faith. Not because you were out stealing catalytic converters last night and got caught. Okay, so for good reasons you were caught. <laughs> You're put in jail, okay? You're with the Apostle Paul. You have been beat up a little bit. You're physically injured. You're put in a jail cell, which is not like a modern, okay? There's no TV. There's no like mattress. Your feet are in stocks, which are like clamps, okay? This is severe discomfort, and you're injured. Here's Paul with his friend Silas, chapter 16. Think about this. The way I train shows up in the game. My vision of my circumstances affects my everything, okay? Here we go. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. First of all, is that what you would have been doing? Singing and praising God as you're injured, cold, on a nasty floor with your feet in stock. They're praising and singing hymns to God, which is absolutely amazing to me. And the other prisoners were listening to them. They probably thought, these guys are crazy. Verse 26, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Oh, their prayers must be working here. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up when he saw the prison doors open. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. His life was basically forfeit at this point. He's like, it's over. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Did you track with this? First of all, it wasn't the earthquake that really caught his attention. It was the fact that they stayed the circumstance, Paul in jail, Silas in jail, hurting, injured, 
body not in good condition. It would have been so easy to be just depresso. Can you believe this? This is ridiculous. We're over here trying to serve God, and here we are in prison. This is dumb, but it's not the case. Maybe you could say, well, Paul and Silas were praying and singing because they were hoping that God would bust them out. This earthquake happens. The chains fall off, and what do they do? They stay, which the jailer knows is crazy. What people who are in jail pops open, hello, you're free to go. Now they go just hang out a while. Got some really good food here. Great little meat and cheese tray. I mean, it's awesome. Gonna stay. The jailer's amazed because they stayed. It's my personal opinion. I don't even think Paul and Silas were praying that God would bust them out. I think that they were praying and praising God simply because they loved their father. Not because their circumstances were amazing. You see, it's easy to praise God when everything is wonderful, right? It's easy to pray and sing praises to God and worship to God when your new job comes through or you get that raise or your investments really pay off or man, you invested in N95 masks two years ago, right? Oh, God is amazing. You get into that grad school program. Your kid hasn't caught COVID yet. Oh, God's so amazing. But what happens when you get down in the valley? Like that job that you thought was so secure disappears. Your family that thought was invincible to help things comes down with Omicron, COVID, unexpected. Where's the praise then? Right? Where's the prayer then? What we really believe doesn't show up on the mountaintop. It shows up in the valley. So here's Paul and Silas. They're praying. They're praising. In the middle of bad circumstances, God does a miracle, shakes the place. All the things come off. Doors fly open. But Paul stays. Because he stayed, the jailer noticed. He said, this is supernatural. What people would stay? What, what is this power? What is this happening? The jailer comes to faith. In a sense, Paul staying saved this man's life. His family would have lost a father, would have lost a husband, but instead, not just the jailer, but the Bible says his entire family comes to faith and they were baptized in water. You see, Paul had an understanding. His vision helped him understand his circumstance. Could it be that we've been praying and asking God to change our circumstances when we really need to be praying that God would change our vision of our circumstances. You need to get this in your heart. Let's take it one step further. Maybe those circumstances are exactly the tool that God is going to use to change your life. What if that job that at the moment is getting on your nerves is the circumstance that God needs for you to sit by and have lunch with that one other person at your job. And that one other person on some seemingly random day 
happens to ask you, how do you make life work? You happen to share your story. And just like this jailer, they're a little awestruck. How can you have faith? How can you have faith? How can you have this energy? How can you have this belief? How can this God be real? You share your story and their life is changed. But if you'd have left that job, maybe that person never would have known. My challenge to all of us today, maybe there are some circumstances that we should embrace. And even though they're hard, we thank God for them. Just like that really hard workout. In the middle of that really hard Tabata Tuesday Peloton, you think that instructor is possessed by the devil. You just, this is so hard. But you know on the other side of that is growth and strength and advancement. What if you had the vision to understand your circumstances in that way in your spiritual life? It might be hard now, but it's for my good. It might be hard now, but God's up to something. It might be hard now, but God wants to do something in their life. I'm going to stay. What if there's a circumstance in your life that instead of praying and asking God to get you out of it, today you need to make a determined, spirit-led decision to stay. Maybe you need to stay in that marriage, even though it's hard right now. Maybe you need to stay connected to that relationship, even though it's hard right now. Maybe you need to reach out to your grown-up child, even though it's been rocky and hard the last five years. You're going to stay engaged. Your workplace is hard. Maybe you're not loving this moment, but maybe God's speaking to you, say, I need you to stay. I'm not done with your development there. The vision to understand. The steely, determined, faith-filled willingness to stay when God wants you to stay. Will you do that? The way you train, it shows up in the game. And we're not competing for little fake crowns. Today, let's think big picture and think huge and think eternity. Is it any wonder why the Bible says, don't spend all of your life trying to store up riches here on earth where things will fade away and in two generations nobody's going to know who you are anyway at best. Your money's gone, your influence is gone, your education doesn't matter anymore, but to store up riches in heaven which doesn't fade away, it doesn't rust, it lasts for eternity. What kind of crown are we working for? Let's pray. God, I come together with my friends, my family, your church, your kids, all together today, God, we come to you, our Abba Father. You know what we need even before we ask it, but Lord, there's something powerful that happens when we ask in us. God, I pray right now that you would help every single one of us to develop the vision to understand our circumstances. Just because it's hard doesn't mean that you don't have a plan and that that plan is good. God, I pray strength for the journey. Every parent, every person who's trying to figure out school, trying to figure out work, trying to figure out parenting, every teenager in the house working on figuring out life, what do they believe, what are they going to be about. God, I pray grace. I pray that you would remind us that you are close, that you are not far away. Help us to push into you harder than we would ever push into career or push into fun things or to push into investments or to push into any ever 
any other area in our life, God, we push into you today. God, help us to seek the kingdom first, knowing that you will add everything that we need to our life. Friends, hear my voice. Hear the gospel. Jesus says this, I am the only way, the only truth, and the only life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We can never gain entrance into the presence of a holy God by just trying to be a good person. We can never be good enough. By just trying to do enough good things, can never be good enough. There's really no such thing as good people, bad people. There's only forgiven people or unforgiven people. Which one are you? Jesus, who says, I am the only way, truth, and life. He came to this world so that we could have a relationship with a holy God. The Bible says that everybody has made mistakes. We all know this. We don't need to be convinced or reminded even. We know that we've made mistakes. We've blown it. Everybody has messed up. Everybody's made mistakes. We all fall short of God's standard. And that's why Jesus Christ came to this earth, to live the perfect life that we could never live. And he laid that perfect life down on the brutal cross of Calvary. And he gave his life. He took our sin. He paid our bill for sin so that we could have entrance into the presence of a holy God. And he died and they peeled his body off of that tree and they put him into a tomb one day, two days. But on the third day, everything changed. Everything changed. Jesus was raised back to life and is alive today and has a plan for your life. And it's for you to know him. Do you? How can you? The Bible tells us that if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, if we will believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And I want to give you an opportunity to pray that prayer with me right now. If you want to make Jesus Christ the Lord and the leader of your life, pray this out loud with me. Jesus, thank you for speaking to my heart. I ask that you would forgive me of every sin. I am making you the Lord and the leader of my life. And I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. To stay in the know with Go Church, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at letsgo.church. You can also download our app from the App Store by searching Go Church. Have a great week and God bless.